Let me mute my phone and then I'm ready, Mike. How about you? Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I don't know. Something about it. You don't seem ready. I'm pretty ready, dude. Doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it. I'm just going to start, though. I don't care if you're not ready. You caught me. I wasn't ready. I knew it. God, you're such a liar. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, yeah, countdown. Five, four, three. It's the internet. You're busy. Let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything about the world of games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb. With me is Mike Minotti. Go ahead and say hi to everybody, Mike. Hi, it's me. There's my dog. Hello, Penny. Penny's barking at nothing. Yeah, she's yeah. she's something. I mean, do you ever do you do you think it's always nothing, nothing, or is it like some other realm that she sees into that we? No, can't? it's definitely nothing. She's an idiot. It's definitely one hundred percent. If nothing. I'm sure yeah. of anything in my life, it's that my dog is barking at nothing. <laughs> uh, today's episode, we're going to get into some news. We're going to get into the games we've been playing, other things. We're going to say hello to Penny some more. I'm, I'll just yeah. cut that out, Mike. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Um, let's see. Yeah. I think before we get into all that stuff, though, I want to tell everybody that they can get more from me and Mike at GamesBeat.com. You could share with us any of your thoughts about the show by getting at us on Twitter at GBDecides or at GamesBeat. Uh, we also have an email uh, games plus podcast at VentureBeat.com. That's the plus sign. If you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, there's an audio version, and you can get that on, you know, you can get that anywhere where you catch pods. Um, finally, if you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show get, you know, get more of an audience. Um, so, so Mike, how you doing? What you been up to? You been up to anything fun? Yeah, I've been playing God of War, so that's been fun. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably what we should just get into right off the top here, right? It's, I mean, it's the yeah, biggest game so far of game. 2018. I think that's right. This has got to be the biggest game so far. I think so. I think it is. Yeah. So, um, I, well, I mean, I'll just, I mean, I'll just show you. I've got a bunch of a bunch of God of Wars right here. I guess you can't see. You can't. Everyone else can see the video. I'm holding a stack of four copies of God of War for the PlayStation 4 Entertainment Device. Uh, that oh, I need physical to send copies? Wow. physical copies that I need to send out to uh, the rest of the team. Um, I'll do that today at some time, or I'll just I'll keep them all for myself. Who there knows? you go. That's that works that way. But I haven't had a chance to play because they just they arrived today, uh, and I was out uh, doing. I was out at the, at the hospital doing a surgery thing. Uh, it went well, but oh yeah, how was that? I probably should have asked it, earlier. No, yeah, it's no, no big deal. It's it went really no well. No big deal. Your baby just had surgery. Yeah, it was. It's like her third surgery in a year, and it was uh, uh, strabismus, and it, yeah, but she handled it like a champ. Honestly, I was like, oh, I'm gonna get some work done at the hospital while we're waiting for this to be done, and I kind of finished setting up and like really getting into like actually doing work, and it was over. Yeah. It was so fast, what? so. Yeah, yeah, it, and it and it looks pretty good. Like we won't even know for sure, like how good it's going to look for a couple of weeks till it heals. But it looks pretty good already. Um, so that's been nice. Um, but that means I have not had a chance to play God of War. So I have I have some questions for you. I read your Ooh. review. Seems like seems like you liked it. Um, and I know we shouldn't start here because it's like sort of uh, there's like gaudy. But you gave it a ninety out of a hundred. And I'm uh, why don't we just actually let's just fuck it. I like this. Let's start there. Tell me, like, what your thinking was when you're like giving that score. It is it's strange, right? Because I'll tell you what, like, you don't want to play the uh, compare yourself to Metacritic game. This is no. one. This is one of the few times though where I am I'm actually like slightly lower than the average, which is strange because yeah. I I like I love the game. I, I really did. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. Like, so like the average score right now is a ninety five, and I couldn't. T t you know, it's one of those things where scores are scores. Could my score have been a ninety five? Uh, you know, maybe is there is there really some great reason why it isn't? It, it's you know when you're in that ninety to ninety five phase, what's the difference between a ninety game and a ninety five? It, it is kind of hard. Um, I mean, really, the only it's like the only real negatives that I, and I, I really spoke to in my review were the sense of like how different this is from the old games and how that might alienate some people, although. It already looking looking like that really won't be that much of a case. I think most people are going to embrace this, uh, and you know, really, just some of the other things are like some of the RPG elements of it. Sometimes doing gatekeeping in places where would rather there wasn't like gatekeeping. Uh, again, not a huge issue. Yeah, but so just does it, seem like you, does it seem like you had any like one major problem? No, and you know what? Like the way I think of a score that's ninety or higher, if if I'm giving a game a ninety, 
or above, it means it's going to be a game of the year contender. And this could very easily be my game of the year. Right. So, yeah. So it is strange. That, like, I, I do almost feel... And, I had to do the same thing with my brother, AJ. Like, why'd you only give a game a 90? I was like, oh, man. I know. It's weird, right? a weird thing for sure. But it's just like, uh, you know, I read like, okay, 90 100. That's really good. Cause I, yeah, I read your review like right before uh, all the other reviews came out. And then, uh, like, I think like I read the first couple after that were also like nine out of tens in that range. And then I got to a point where it was, um, where it was like, okay, that's like four tens in a row from people. Like, people like were like, super into it so i'm like okay and i kind of went back and read yours again i'm like okay it, that still sounds right for this game um i guess we can kind of get into it into more of it so like i guess what is this compared to old god of wars and like kind of what is it like in terms of its you know in, in terms of standing on its own and that's what's that is kind of the strange thing about this how it's similar yet very different from those old games uh right and it's funny because, like, the biggest difference is just tone, right? The old God of War games, it was it was almost kind of Mortal Kombat-esque in the way it sort of reveled in the violence, right? Like, ah, oh, this is all cool and, and fun and neat. Look, right. And, right, like, it was it was a bit of a spectacle that way. Whereas this game's still violent and, and, and stuff like that, but it's much more grounded, as, as grounded as, you know, a game where you're destroying giant trolls and monsters can be. But it doesn't feel as... Uh, it's not, not real senseless is the word, but it doesn't feel as gratuitous as it has been before, right? And then, just in general, Kratos has gone from being this very kind of almost eye-rolling, uh, shouty, super mad, angry dude to a character with, like, uh, an arc and kind of some sympathy and interesting things happening. To the point where, like, you know, I, I like the old God of War games. I don't know if I would tell you I liked Kratos that much specifically. Yeah, that's a, that's pretty on the point for me, too. Uh, I, I, so you talked about him like, kind of like grow, growing as a character and having an arc. How much of that is due to having your son around the entire game? Oh, big time, because it's very much like The Last of Us in the sense that you have that, that parental and then child uh, relationship, but then you know, and the nice thing about that is having these two characters always with each other. They're always talking with each other, which gives them, you know, dialogue is your is the way that you can have characters grow and stuff a lot of the time. It's very hard for a silent protagonist to grow in an action game, right? It, there, there's none of that. But here, there's a lot of opportunity because these characters are always interacting with each other. Their relationship is evolving. We're learning more about them. And again, kind of going back to, like, the sequel aspect, it's neat how, you know, it's not just completely abandoning those older games there's still a lot of that lore that kind of comes back in in fun and surprising ways uh so yeah it, it still is like it doesn't like do it it's not a hard reboot which is really nice i kind of hate when games do that they just kind of throw away right. their history like this is very much still a god of war game in a lot of neat ways it, it, it's definitely in that uh the vein of the requel which is like the hybrid of a sequel and a reboot like yeah we're getting that in movies a lot with like the, with star wars and like that ghostbusters movie and basically every like remake now in hollywood is a instead it's a sequel really but effectively it's a reboot and it seems like games start gaming is starting to kind of catch on to that a little bit the best where they don't want to throw away their history like you yeah said. the best like game analogy i've heard of this is resident evil 4 which was one of these kind of like you know it, it's a sequel but a pretty big reboot in terms of how the game's playing and, and its tone and, and a lot of other things and you know also very successful like uh resident evil 4 was so your son's there the whole time. Does that make all of the threesome scenes very awkward? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, that's, you know, it's funny because I never would have told you, like, back when those were happening that those bothered me necessarily. Part of it was that I was yeah. younger and, and whatnot. And part of it is that maybe it's okay, whatever. But it is nice that they're not here now. It is, you know, now I'm 31. I don't need the sex mini game. Yeah. I don't know if I ever needed it. But right. I was, no. I'm at a point where I am happy it's not there. Right. It was like, all right, that was a, like when I was a bit, yeah, when I was younger, it was like, okay, that was a fun and silly way to break up the action for a little bit or whatever. Uh, I, I feel like one of the games like started with it, but whatever. Yeah. It was always just this That's weird pretty early on in like God of War 1, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely in the sequels as well. So maybe that is kind of an early thing, but still, it was just like, okay, well, I, I get the tone they're going for here, whatever. I'm not taking anything that's happening here seriously at all. So this is, this is fine, I guess. Uh, but no, I'm glad to hear that they're, like, they're not trying to shoehorn that 
that part of the lineage of God of War back into this game. Like, they don't feel beholden to any of that stuff. Seems like they threw away a lot of the stuff that was definitely just the fat, and they've built on a whole lot of new things that make the game stand apart. Right, and like, you know, so much of why this game good is good is just that kind of ridiculous polish that you, you kind of expect from some of these AAA right. Sony exclusives. Um, right, like, the, the game just looks really, really good. It looks as good as any console game possibly could. The action just feels really nice. It's not as crazy combo-heavy as the older God of War games, but it's not... It's also not suddenly Dark Souls, right? It's not that slow. It's not that kind of reaction based. Like, look at the pattern, see an opening. It's still, it's still pretty, uh, like offensive. You're, you're, you're mostly on the attack. The fights are a bit more smaller scale, a bit more intimate, which kind of complements that new behind the shoulder perspective. So yeah, I mean, you, you liked the combat though. The combat was, I mean, how did you feel about the old God of War combat? Was it just sort of you were mashing buttons the whole time? No, I, any I, well, here? I, I liked the old God of War combat. It was definitely always very uh, satisfying. I guess the uh, the criticism of it would be that they they had like a zillion combos, and you know, one will do. <laughs> like there was no reason yeah. to use this combo over that combo necessarily, except you know, it looks different. So it's kind of like there, there are still quote unquote combos in different kind of attacks, but it's not as ridiculously combo heavy as uh, like those original games were. Yeah. Um, how, how are you feeling about Sony first party games? Does it feel like they're continually getting bigger and better or is this sort of like still on par with like, uh, you know, this is like The Last of Us. Like it's as good as those games, or something uh, like that. Are they doing? Are they breaking new ground? I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, this seems about as good as they've ever, as any of them have ever been. Like, right. uh, and kind of that's kind of the thing I was thinking about this. And it's, it's hard not to think about, uh, freaking uh, Microsoft, right? And how they don't have experiences like this, and how this really is kind of like, you know, we talk about our single player games dead, and the best, the first people are doing the best things with them are Nintendo and Sony as ways to sell their consoles. Like, look at this really high-end, awesome single-player game. Right, because of the multiplayer games selling their systems, they're still going to get money from that. They still right. get a cut. That's what's strange about Microsoft, like, caring about trying to get into the games of service thing when they could just kind of depend on other people to do that sort of thing. It's weird that Microsoft's trying to, like, make money through games and not through hardware yeah, like, a lot of time, I guess. Yeah, that they are that they are thinking that they need to make the games as a service instead of, yeah, you're right, instead of the tent poles that hold the whole thing up. Uh, I think I think they realize that that's been a, a, a mistake, and they're starting to come back on that. But they they still, I mean, we don't, maybe we'll see it at this, at this E3, but I, I don't have any faith in Microsoft to make a game like this. I don't even know if I necessarily have the uh, the belief that Microsoft wants to make games like this. Um it, it might just be a, it might just be too late to kind of get into that game against Sony and, and Nintendo. Well, yeah, it's like, what do you do? Uh, and, you know, it, it, again, comparing it, I just, I can't help but think of Gears of War 4 and how that was like, I, I feel like that series was in a very similar place to God of War where it felt tired. And instead yeah. of like doing something new with it, they just made Gears of War 4, whereas Sony has this really, really impressive reboot that feels fresh and unique and different. And to kind of go back on your question, like, what, how do I kind of rank this? I think the only PlayStation 4 exclusive I liked more was Uncharted. You know how much I like Uncharted. Right. Yeah, Otherwise, and a big part of that is just you, like, that is your thing. It's yeah, what that's you my wanna, jam. It's what, you wanna, yeah, it's what you want to experience when you're playing one of these kinds of games. So, yeah. Okay, That yeah, that's that's awesome then. That's, like, yeah, a really so good song. Otherwise, this is better than the premature thing. I think, like, as good as um, uh, Last of Us was... Uh, not Last of Us. I mean, uh, Horizon was last year. I think this is even better than that. Uh, okay. This is this is pretty pretty fantastic spectacle with a lot of hearts. Good. Yeah. There's there's not much bad to say about the game. And when you look ahead at Sony with Spider Man and Last of Us Two, like as much as last year was like Nintendo's year in terms of software, this could really be Sony's year. Yeah, it's starting to shape up that way. Uh, that that recent reveal of like all that Spider Man stuff from the Game Informer cover story. Uh, really has me on board now. I'm like, I, I had my doubts, but that game is just, it, it's starting to look very, very cool. So I'm, I'm hoping that they, they pull it off. Um, I, yeah, I can't wait to play God of War. I think what, what we'll do is I'll, I'm going to, I'll play it. I'll play it over this next week. I, I, how long was it? It seems like it's a really long game. It's like, to it's pretty long. It's kind of hard to say because it doesn't, at least if it has a like in-game uh, thingy that tells you how long it is, I can't find it. So I'm not sure how long it took me to play it, but it's pretty long. 
and it's nice because it, it doesn't have it's long without having filler really like there's side quests right. and stuff and it's a it's a quote-unquote open world game but it's not a map game you know it's not like a far cry it's not even like with uh breath of the wild really in that way it's like it's open worldness it's not a perfect technology but it's a lot more like a metroid prime kind of a thing where it's an open world in that you can like walk to all of the places without like having to you know go to a new level quote unquote and there's like some like you know oh you can't access this door yet unless you get this thing uh right. it's not quite it, it as- hides it hides all the loading too and but like behind like, like animation stuff like that also very much i'm not saying this is like a a, a metroid no game a, a little bit it. in some ways actually a, maybe any- in more ways than it than you would think at first, but it's any echo of Metroid Prime or Metroid Prime Two Echoes um, is is good with me. I'm yeah. I'm like it's, I'm like I want more games that have any sort of faint smell of that. So yeah, yeah it's like, definitely closer to Metroid Prime than it is to uh, like Far Cry Five. Is what right. I'm okay. Is, is that is that what we're calling those games now? Map games? Yeah, I've heard somebody say that. And I like that. Uh, yeah, it's a really good. Right, because that's kind of what you do. You look at the map and look at for icons for the questy things you got to do, and you go to them. Yeah, like you're you're spending a lot of time in your map. Yeah, right. So like yeah, so so that's uh, Horizon, uh, Assassin's Creed. Those are map games now. I'm kind of into it. Yeah, I like that. All right. Um, Okay, so yeah, like I said, I I think I'll I'll play it. We'll come back and talk about it a little bit more next week. I'll give uh, some of my thoughts, and we'll kind of uh, give you a chance to ruminate even. I'll tell you what, man, throwing that hammer and and recalling it back magically, that that, that does not get old. Yeah, you were describing that, and I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, I really do have to play this game. It was like, it's one of those games where it's like, I'm going to play it. Sure, of course I am. I don't know if I need to play it right right, right away, and I was kind of reading some of the, uh, the stuff like that. And it's like, okay, I could just... I could see in my mind's eye what that looks like and imagine how that feels when you're controlling it with the controller or whatever. And then to have, yeah, as soon as I started doing that, I'm like, okay, no, I'm going to play this right away as soon as I get a chance. It's definitely one of those games where it's like, if you have a PlayStation 4, like, why wouldn't you get this game? Exactly. Yeah, it's one of the, it's like, yeah, it's one of the games you get the system for. And it sounds like they delivered on, like, that promise of, like, people buying the system for a game like this. Well, guess what? They paid off and it worked out just fine. Okay, um... I'm going to talk about uh, just I got a bunch of stuff from like PAX East, but I'm not going to talk about them in any great detail. Uh, I will say that Wolfenstein 2 on the Switch ran. okay, it was framey, but it looked really crisp. Like it looked like it looked uh, almost indistinguishable from like some of the uh, the, the, you know, the id games that are on consoles already like uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, both like the original systems, Um, I think. You know, Doom and and, uh, and then also Wolfenstein 2 both looked really good on those consoles. And this kind of looks exactly the same, at least on the portable handheld screen that I played it on. Um, that was really surprising because I remember like Doom had Doom was like very, uh, uh, you know, it, its dynamic resolution would drop and you get a lot of jaggies and stuff. And that was not what my experience with Wolfenstein 2, at least at, uh, you know, the demo that I played. Um so yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to see how that kind of ends up. It might be the frame rate might might be a little too choppy to actually enjoy it, but I think that there's going to be a, a an audience for this game that uh, primarily plays Switch games and picks it up on there and enjoys it. And maybe that game will end up making some money. Um, I'm sure, it makes which, some which money. would be good. All right, um, so it kind of did it at first, huh? It seems like it kind of didn't do as well as it as a lot of other games that were coming out at the same time. So, but yeah, you know, it wasn't like a flop like some other games have been though. Um, uh, just a couple other highlights. Uh, Underworld Ascendant. This is like an immersive sim from Warren Spector's studio. It's from Joe, like Joe Fielder, who used to run GameSpot, and then he went on to work at like uh, at 2K. I think he, he, I think he worked on Bioshock uh, and stuff like that. And then there's the guy that like started the immersive sim genre, like with Underworld. Um, the, the Ultima games, the Ultima Underworld games, and then he went went on to work on Thief as like the lead designer. Uh, he, they are making basically a new one of those, and I don't. I was realizing while I was playing it, I don't really like immersive sims, um, <laughs> and th- this one is not. It didn't really necessarily change my mind, but I kind of talked to him like maybe there's still some potential here, and it sounds like they're going to do a systems first, first approach, which I think is what I need. Uh, it has to be like systems first instead of puzzles first. Um, and I think that they're going to maybe nail that aspect and maybe it'll win me over. But if it doesn't, it's not really a reflection on the game because 
I, I don't like I didn't like Prey, and I don't really like the Dishonored games all that much. So uh, it's just it's just not a genre that's not for me. Um, Did you ask? Uh, uh, I mean, I I would like to ask more Specter if he remembers uh, going on Space Mountain with me. <laughs> he was he was not there. At least not, not that I could see. Uh, Joe Fielder's the director on the game, and uh, so I could mostly talk to him. Um, but if had I seen War Inspector Mike, I promise you, if that question's locked and loaded, oh, I, I will ask him be. immediately. Yeah, like first it, thing. Like I'll just yell at him as soon as I see him across the room. <laughs> um, I played The Messenger, which hey, you're right about it. It's it's very cool. But I I, I wrote the story and it, it already went up. Um, I, I did feel bad sitting in that crowd, ignoring a bunch of other indie games all around it because it's like, ooh, that's like Ninja Gaiden. I'm gonna go. Sit, I'm gonna go See, play this game. And I recognize. Like, you're not wrong, but I don't feel bad about it. No, I, you do. yeah, people shouldn't feel bad. I shouldn't feel bad. <laughs> I just, I just did. I think in that moment, it was just very noticeable that it had such a crowd and everything else didn't. So, sure. but it, but I mean, it's I, good. It's you know, it's, it's very it's, good. It's not just like you know, doing it for the sake of doing it. It's doing a really no, good right. job. And it's it seems like they're gonna like undermine expectations, which I'm I'm excited about too. So, um. I don't know. Trailmakers is like a banjo kazooie nuts and bolts thing. It's it's already out in early access, but I talked to the developer a little bit. Um, it, it, you know, it seems like it has potentials because you're you know building your vehicles, and then there's this sandbox. Uh, but it's uh, it's also seems like it's 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 in this weird state where a lot of games get to, especially in early access, or if you're Sea of Thieves, where it's like you give people these cool things to do, and then or you know, these cool cool things cool ways of doing things, but then not necessarily cool things to do in terms of quests right. and structure. They're going to make their own fun. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's something to like that, Play-Doh. but yeah, but Play-Doh is kind of only going to go so far. Um, the, the, the last game I wanted to mention was scum. And the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because it's like a, uh, really intense survival sim that has all like the guy brought up, the the screen of like how your character is doing and it had all these meters and gauges and there was one that was just labeled teeth and it was like 38 out of 38 so it has a <laughs> teeth meter and it like uh, tells you how many are still left in your yeah, skull I which I is like just like that yeah i was like okay this is the most interesting thing i've seen like about this game but uh, we'll see I, I don't know necessarily know like knowing that information about your character like what does it change like okay i have like seven teeth now does that mean mm-hmm. i can only eat certain kinds of food oh, man. who knows I want to see. I want to see how that idea must be explored. Exactly. Yeah, I want to see how it goes. Are there dentists? Can like my character get dentistry skills? You can get more teeth. Yeah. (laughs) So um, I'm interested in seeing how that goes, but uh, I don't know. That was a pretty intimidating screen. Otherwise, Um, the only other games that I've been playing outside of PAX East that I want to talk about: Radical Heights. I can't remember if we talked about. I feel like it was two weeks ago that we last recorded together. So we. Yeah, I don't think we talked about like actual playtime with this. I I haven't checked it out yet. I had to say. So it's it's free to play on Steam. It's a battle royale from um, Boss Key Productions, which people might remember as the studio that made Lawbreakers, Cliff Blazinski Studios. You might not remember because who played Lawbreakers? No one apparently. Um, it's very very early access. You could tell. Uh, you could play. You you boot it up. You get in there, and it seems janky and and like busted visually, and like a lot of the buildings have placeholder textures straight out of the Unreal Engine development kit. Uh, so it's, there, there's something, I think there's something off-putting visually about it for a lot of people, but it's also surprisingly fun. It works really well, just right out of the box. Um, it, differenti- it differentiates itself by, I think it, 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 it's a little bit more playful than PUBG, um, and maybe even Fortnite in some ways, because uh, it's going for this game show 1980s aesthetic that works uh, and it, the, let's say I'll put it this way: the game show stuff works, the 1980s stuff, nostalgia stuff doesn't work. Really? Um, yeah, because the, the, the game show stuff, like it, it, it plays into the gameplay where there are these uh, prize rooms, and it's like let's make a deal, and you go stand on this pad in front of the prize door, and it makes this it makes this blaringly loud uh, game show music, and you have to wait for a meter to fill up. So. You're going to get a bunch of loot once that door opens, but anyone in the vicinity is going to hear where that sound is and where it's coming from, and they're probably going to come for you. So there's just, like, these fun risk-reward things. But then like the 80s stuff is uh, like Top Gun references and... A little tacky. Uh, yeah, it's like... But, and, and it's like seems like we are past that. Like, you can't <laughs> yeah, really do it anymore. Not. 
Yeah, I guess not. He thought like maybe Ready Player One was like that tipping point. We're like, all right, do we get this out of our system yet? Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit, but it's like we have unlimited access to all of culture from all time now because we're on the internet. Uh, so trying to play this stuff up as like as you like your style, like this is going to be my our voice is going to be in the nineteen eighties. Was that a wacky? Yeah, time? it's not the most. It, it, that even almost more so than like the battle royale thing was what made me kind of cynical to this. Yes, like, and I don't uh-huh, that I don't 80s. blame you for at all. Like, uh, I think yeah, there's a time they need to hold on that. Like unless you're Blood Dragon, you like absolutely knock it out of the park, crazy. Yeah, but even Blood, Blood Dragon was very focused. It was like we're gonna do 1980s B action movies. And we're going to just basically just do that. And we're going to play up like the homoeroticism and all this stuff. And it's going to be funny. And we're going to know exactly what we're doing the whole time. This is just sort of throwing references at the wall in a way that like, you know, it's, yeah. And it, yeah, it's like, oh, here's our Trapper Keeper uh, like aesthetic. And here's like a weird MTV logo shirt. Um, it's it doesn't it's not co- it's not cohesive. But even if it were, I yeah, we are beyond it. Like a lot of games have done this and done it better already. And even like I think even if they you match that it just wouldn't be interesting anymore. Um, but yeah, the game show side, that stuff. I think there's. I think if they kind of leaned that way instead and pulled back and, um, and they also like got a different game show host because like their game show hosts are just a couple of dude bros, just yelling into a mic at the beginning of the match. I feel like if they got a Bob Barker style announcer, like an old man, uh, who. It's just kind of there for a paycheck, and you can kind of tell that's what's happening. I think that would work. That'd be Did you that could, play Super Monday Night Combat. A little bit, a, a very tiny bit. I liked the announcers in that thing. I thought they were funny. Yeah, I, I think th- there's a way to do that right. Uh, and uh, this game, I mean, it's weird to talk about this game because, again, very early access. Everything is probably going to change over the course of the next year. Is it is it like still popular on Twitch, or is that mostly just because it got lucky with the Fortnite thing? So it got a lift from that for sure. That is um, very different from its normal standing on Twitch, but it's it's still in the top fifteen on Twitch. I think a lot of the time, maybe the top twenty. Um, it seems like it ranges around five thousand to ten thousand concurrent viewers on Twitch. Um, but th- that's I mean, Twitch is a is a tough one because if there's like three people that if they play your game, your game's going to shoot up the charts. Like Ninja Shroud or like Doctor Disrespect play your game. They're bringing thirty to a hundred thousand people with them, no matter what game they're playing. So yeah, when it was at the top of Twitch, it was because Ninja was playing it with, and a hundred thousand people were watching. Um, and Fortnite was down, so yeah. Um, I, I that I think that that was a good thing for them, um, but they have to just sort of build this game up slowly and the hard way, and can't count on like the dice rolling in their favor and Ninja suddenly becoming a full-time radical height streamer. They're going to four three, apparently a pretty popular uh, Twitch game right now. That's funny. Huh? That's fun. That makes sense. I guess there's uh, always the people that are like, Oh, I want to watch that game before I play the next one or something like that. Yeah. Um, I also, so yeah, we're in this weird period. At least we were before I was playing God of war and I'm like, uh, do I want to start another game? Do I want to get into anything and actually like, try to put any real time into it because I know I'm just going to play God of War as soon as it's out. And I ended up booting up uh, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Wildlands. Oh. I, I, I think the Splinter Cell stuff won me over. They right. they put in, uh, you know, what's his name? Sam. Sam Fisher. Sam Fisher. Yeah, Sam Fisher. I, and the, I know that because I don't play those games. I played one Splinter Cell. It was like one of those like easy ones they made for Xbox 360. Right. Like fiction yeah. or something. That sounds right, yeah. The, the much more uh, cinematic one. The much more um, yeah, action-y yeah. versus shooter one. Um, so Sam Fisher, and they, and they got Michael Ironside back to do the voice, um, which he's, he had like one game off, and they're like, okay, come on back. And it seems like they're maybe teasing a return to the, that universe, although who knows? Maybe they'll do a, another game. Maybe they won't. Um, it's, it doesn't seem like it fits with what Ubisoft is doing right now. But besides the point, they like – you know, they put him in this game as like a NPC who's going to give you a quest. I think he might play alongside you. I haven't actually done the content yet because I just started the game from scratch on PC. And it's, I think it's the kind of game, I think it's like um, very similar to Far Cry 5 in terms of having this open world where you're doing missions. Is it a map game? It it is a map game, but it is the multiplayer co-op first version of a map game. Uh, but it's definitely a map game, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
and it's in the Ubisoft vein. Like a lot of the um, missions felt very familiar, felt very uh, a lot like um, you know everything else you're doing in a Ubisoft map game. Uh, you know that said, I, I could see how this could be a long term game for Ubisoft, where if they do the thing like they did with the Predator, where they give you a mission where you go out in the jungle and you encounter the predator and he has to fight him and it's very very hard and it's this thing that's like a badge of honor if you actually defeat him uh and now they're bringing in splinter cell there's ways to like keep it fresh and keep people coming back um it, it, i guess it's similar to uh to destiny i guess a little bit but it, in a map game version of that um i i you know and ubisoft did announce they're doing a second season for this game uh of content i I don't know. I, I think what will have to happen is, uh, so I, I just started it. I'm going to talk to some people and see if they want to like maybe try playing it now too. And if they are resistant to that, I'm just going to give up and just be like, okay, well, I'm, I'm never going to play this game for real. Um, it's just sort of kind of testing the waters right now to see if there's anything there. And there is. I'm just not sure if it's going to pay off and really turn anything big. If I have to play it solo, I'm not going to play much more of it though. Um, all right, Mike, let's get into the news. Uh, hey, I think we got a bunch of big stories here, uh, including like some stuff that happened like right before we started recording. I like popped them in here, uh, like into the rundown, like as I was inviting you to the, tw- to the, uh, the cast thing that oh, we man. record in. Hope I know um, what they are. <laughs> uh, yeah. Call of duty black ops four won't have traditional single, p- single player campaign. This is a news report. Really? Yes. Okay. So, Right, I like, like I said, heard this. right before we started recording, oh, uh, Poly, uh, Chris Plant from Polygon published a report saying, according to his sources, uh, uh, Treyarch, the developer of the Black Ops series, like the, the basically the lead Call of Duty developer right now, is going to focus on the multiplayer and zombies, and it's going to kind of position zombies as the the replacement, the filler, it's going to maybe expand it to take uh, take over some of the... I, I would expect this means the, take over some of the marketing muscle that the single-player game used to do. Because like I think the way Call of Duty has always worked is you make Call of Duty, you focus on the multiplayer, and then you sell it with with imagery from the single-player. Right, like that's what the commercials always are, right? It's, right, always. So... If that's not in there, it's like, okay, it does feel like the package is a little lighter. It's, it's going to be a mental thing. But they're not wrong in, in that they should be focusing on the, the multiplayer and zombies. Those are the two things that get the most people into those games and keep them coming back. But to not have a single-player campaign at all, um, I don't know. I, I, okay. That's you know what weird. It, it's real weird. It makes me think that like they want to do the games-as-a-service thing but they're going to half-ass it, and they want to keep releasing a new that's, Call of Duty every year. That's going to get a lot of backlash, it seems like. I remember how mad people were about Battlefront 1, but before we had the Battlefront 2 controversy, the Battlefront 1 thing was, where's the single-player campaign? Right. Now, they were almost kind of proven right away because they gave people a single-player campaign, and it didn't exactly get them that much goodwill. Uh, right. But, but it, Maybe it wasn't that good. I don't know. But, man, this is this is weird. Especially, like, why is it? Why is it Black Ops 4 if not to continue that storyline, right? Yeah, and in Black Ops, I think, you know, say what you will about Call of Duty storylines. Black Ops had maybe the most interesting one. Uh, you know, I guess that's only saying so much. But there is a part of me that's like, huh, they could do some interesting stuff with that. I want to see what, where they're going to go. Uh, but I'm I was also, like, never mind. I'm, yeah, but I'm also the person that's like, oh, I'm going to play that Call of Duty Infinite Warfare campaign someday, and I keep telling myself that, and I still <laughs> haven't. So, the, yeah, there's, the, they're not wrong, but also I think you nailed it. They're going to get backlash for this, right? How do, how do they not? It's so weird. Is this so that they can focus on that Battle Royale mode we all think is coming to Call of Duty? So that goes right into the next rumor. Right after Chris Plant posted that story, um, charlieintel.com, which is basically like a... Um, a fan site that covers Call of Duty exclusively. It's a Call of Duty news site. Uh, they said, okay, we've heard the same thing regarding the uh, single-player campaign. We weren't able to confirm it, but now we're feeling that rumor must be right. We got a tip about it. Uh, but in that tip, we also heard that Raven Software, who is a support studio for Activision, it's also the studio that made like Wolfenstein, uh, that 2009 version for Xbox 360, you know, in the way back. Um, they are working on a battle royale mode that will debut in Black Ops 4. So it's coming. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely coming. 
And I tell you what, people are going to be extra cynical if they don't get their single player mode, but they get the battle royale mode. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, you're gonna, uh, yes, people are going to be. Yeah, they'll, they'll talk now, mess about that again. It's Call of Duty. Who knows if it's actually going to impact anything? It's Call of Duty. Just, just you know, so. even when it was on a down year of Infinite Warfare, it was the best selling game of the year easily. So yeah, who knows if any of this matters? Yeah, it's nuts. I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like a risk um, <coughs> in a year where Call of Duty doesn't need to be taking risks because yeah, right. Fortnite is right there waiting, just just waiting to take away that entire audience. Um, you know, of course, they'll ne- it'll never be able to take away the entire audience. That uh, uh, There's always going to be people that are just going to play Call of Duty. It's just going to happen. It seems like it's going to be a series. It's going to be around forever, but... Fortnite is this massive thing, this massive cultural force that has a similar style of uh, of shooting, or at least a, a similar feel of like I could just get into this and play it with a controller and have a good time. I think that's what Call of Duty's always excelled at. But now it, it's got this free free to play alternative that has got a lot of goodwill because of how many updates and how much it's changed, and how much it's improved. Um, and for Call of Duty to come in and be like, okay, well. We're going to give you a battle royale mo- mode of our own. We're going to give you the traditional multiplayer, and you're going and you're going to get zombies. Oh yeah, well, what about single player? Don't worry, still sixty dollars. No single player, but still sixty dollars. It just seems like a risk. Yeah, seems like a hard sell. But again, it's it's a sell that they might not have to make. Yeah, it's just it's, uh, it's yeah. I mean, if if it hurts it, it won't hurt it this year. It'll hurt it next year, especially if there's again no single player campaign. Uh, but you know. God, I, I wonder. That I guess that that's really interesting. Do you think that there is a single player campaign that is like half in the works for the next Call of Duty, and they're like waiting to see how this goes over? <laughs> right? I don't. Maybe it's so hard to keep track of all those different studios and what's going. Call of Duty is just it's so weird because it, it almost just seems like an entity on its own, separate from the rest of the gaming universe. Yeah, but yet it still does ebb and flow with trends. It just doesn't yes. set trends anymore necessarily. It, it's very strange. And and why? I mean, I guess I know why. But like, why wouldn't they just go ahead and say like, all right, now we are doing the games as a service thing. We're going to just have a Call of Duty er game that lives on forever. But I mean, I, they want the sixty dollars every year, so that's why I guess. <sighs> yeah, right. it's it's weird. Um. All right, let's get into some of these other stories. Uh, how do you feel about the the arcade game Donkey Kong? <laughs> you know, that's a good game. Uh, like, if you uh, saw someone playing it really good, how would that make you feel? I'd feel good as long as they're not a cheater. Well, what if I told you that they are a cheater? <gasps> no! Not Billy that, Mitchell. Not Billy Mitchell. He seems like such a stand-up guy. <laughs> Billy Mitchell uh, has had all of his scores removed from Twin Galaxies and then also the Guinness Book of World Records followed up shortly after to do the same thing. Uh, for people that are not familiar with this story, and I guess, I mean, it seems like everyone is. It's one of those stories that, like, has sort of um, escaped the gravitational right. pull of just gaming news, and it's, like, kind of gotten out, out out into the culture. Um, but Billy Mitchell is a was, like, one of the first, like, star video game players. He set the Pac-Man record and, like, Galaga record and a bunch of, like, classic arcade records uh, in the 80s, um, and, including Donkey Kong. And then he... There's this whole documentary that happened in the early 2000s, like the yeah the early King 2000s, Kong. King of Kong, uh, a fistful of quarters that followed that followed him, uh, and it, I guess during production it was like just following like all kinds of like classic arcade players, but in the middle of production they they found this other storyline of this guy that was challenging Billy Mitchell and was beating him, and Mitchell was doing a lot of shady stuff to sort of hold this player back to maintain his Donkey Kong score. Uh, what ha- it, it turns out uh, about 10 years later, a little bit more, uh, that that shady stuff has been confirmed as, uh, as cheating and illegal according to the rules of Twin Galaxies, which is the official scorekeeping site. Um, so it, it, there's a whole history here. Basically, he just played on uh, a computer that was emulating Donkey Kong instead of original arcade hardware, but he maintained that he was playing on original hardware. Um, this would enable him to cheat and it seems like that is very likely now that, you know, when you look at the tape that he submitted the first time, it has some weird jump cuts. It has a, a lot of weird static going over the side, over the scores. Uh, I rewatched the movie, Mike, and it's like, okay, yeah, clearly 
he was just he was cheating and he was afraid to lose his score and he was a coward. He would never play in public. It's like, yeah. oh my god, all this stuff is and, like. And you want to like take it lightly because you know it's a documentary and you're seeing what you know they yeah. decide to show you. But it's still like when you're watching it, you're like, oh come on. Yep. Yeah. You're almost like okay. They're definitely trying to make him look at the villain. They need to have a villain for their for their movie. Okay. No, he is. He was legit. Like a really terrible person. Uh, like this Steve Weeby guy that was challenging was just like this laid off Boeing employee who had to go like went to go work at a school as a teacher and like was trying to raise a family. And he got the day he got laid off from Boeing is the same day they like signed signed the papers on their house. And it's like this this perfect like schmuck, this perfect foil yeah. to go up against Billy Mitchell and to like beat him. And the entire time, Billy Mitchell is doing everything he can, with, like with all his like little minions to hold him back. Um, so yeah, and, and Billy Mitchell's not just like a weird Donkey Kong cheater, though. He's got scores in all these other games. He pl- he was the first person to ever play a perfect man, a perfect game of Pac Man, and that that score's not in dispute. But it has been removed from Twin Galaxies and That's interesting. And get us get us Bickle World Records. I, I don't- <laughs> That's weird. Yeah. I get like once you're a cheater, I guess you have, or you're just like you know expelled. But it is kind of like, well, he did it. Yeah. I so I, I this is a thing I've been thinking about a lot too because I think it's the thing that people when they see this story, uh, the, the the first reaction is, but he didn't cheat in Pac Man. Like w- w- what's happening here? And it okay. So yeah, but but it's sort of like in baseball if yeah. you're caught cheating. It's a Pete they Rose put, thing, huh? Yeah, Pete Rose thing. That like, we're, you know, we can't, we're not going to let you cheat in one game and then like be, you know, uh, be allowed to compete in another because we have to take a zero tolerance policy towards cheating because it's it it would be such a prevalent problem and it's something like video games where you're just chasing a score and the verification process is very iffy and tough to do um, and if you get one over on me here, that's it. You you just you are banished from from this competition so like it it doesn't change the fact that he was the first person to get that score in pac-man doesn't change the fact that he was a great player um but it it, it should it, honestly it just has to serve as a lesson to anyone who would try to do the same thing that you know if you if you cheat in this area they're not gonna go lightly on you even if you are uh, you know the face of this entire thing. Now Billy Mitchell is, of course, putting together his defense. He says, I, "I'm so curious as to what that will look like." Like he says, you know, he, it's very typical. You expect him to say, "Oh yeah, I can prove it was all real." You wonder what that "quote unquote" proof is gonna look like. Yeah, and it's it's so weird because like he definitely he had a chance to defend himself up to this point, and he mo- like he mostly stayed silent. He like he implied early on that this was a conspiracy theory which was just an insane thing to say uh because of all the ways that like the tapes would have had to been like stolen and replaced by ninjas for this to have happened uh so that was crazy uh but then he kind of he stayed silent like especially through like the twin galaxies investigation all he did was provide someone on his behalf to investigate the tapes and even that person was like no billy mitchell did not play on original arcade hardware so (laughs) It's going to be weird to see like how he returns and tries to defend himself. I I would imagine that this is just him saying that, and it'll it won't come to anything. Do you think this is going to hurt his uh, hot sauce sales? So apparently, his hot sauce website has been down since March twenty third. Oh, so that is weird. Um, I, like this stuff started popping off about a, a month ago, right? So that makes that's like tracks. Um, Maybe, yeah, apparently 800hotsauce.com is, um, you know, you go there and you're going to get a blank page. So, yeah, yeah. Give, give me some of that sauce, though, if it's up. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a kind of suspended. Whoa. Really? Okay. Man, okay. They, people really don't like Donkey Kong cheaters, man. <laughs> right? Man, you're not even allowed to sell hot sauce anymore, apparently. GoDaddy's go like, we're going to put half-naked women on our commercials, but no Donkey Kong cheaters. Now, the funny thing is, like, because of that documentary, it's attracted so many people to Donkey Kong that there are just people who are better than Weeby and, and Mitchell ever were. So this, this is really all about that, like, who got to a million first and the integrity right. and a lot of things. And and it seems like, and Twin Galaxies confirmed this, Steve Wiebe is now officially the first person to ever score a million points in Donkey Kong. Happy ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and he's, I mean, and he seems like maybe the, the person that should get the sole credit for reigniting all this interest in Donkey Kong and bringing in all this, uh, what is essentially a new generation well, of players. That's, that's interesting. 
when he's put like that because there there is no interest without that Billy Mitchell you're, no, character you're, or person or, right. or what have you. Now, but, but, the, the integrity is definitely on Weeby's side. Yeah. A lot of the interest is because this this whole story was so crazy, specifically because you had Billy Mitchell as this just really intriguing character slash villain slash opposing force, right? Yeah, and, and I guess there's something to say for like wanting to take him down by getting a better score than he could as well. Uh, but I just, I guess, I mean by like when people want to play a game at that high competitive level, it is because someone else got a score, and only one person got that score legitimately in this case, and it was Steve Weeby. And I, I guess that's what I mean by it. It's you're right though, the, absolutely. Bailey Mitchell being a villain was in, you know it, in, integral to getting people interested in the game. Again. I mean, this is just so bizarre about these kind of competitive gaming things is that it's it is easy to cheat because you know right. you're, it's it's simulations you can always just alter the simulation in some way or another especially if you're not doing things live yep so yeah it's it's uh, i there's that's a whole other story about like the future of twin galaxies uh this is definitely a stain on its reputation uh because they were very close to billy mitchell for a very long time um, is that like referee guy from the movie still heavily involved with Twin Galaxies? I don't think so. So that was Walter Day. Um, he, and again, if, if you haven't seen the movie, this is just the guy that ran Twin, Twin Galaxies and would dress up as a referee. Uh, but even then, he was saying like, "Oh, I just do it because all these guys care about it so much now." And it was, it's like this thing where I can, you know, I still like it. I can still be involved with all of them. But this is their thing, and like I have people underneath me that really run the site and do everything. Uh, he has he since uh, sold it to someone else. I think Jace Hall, which is a name I'm familiar with, but I can't remember exactly who it is. Um, so no, I don't think he's very involved anymore. Apparently, he retired from the video game industry in May 2010 to pursue a career in music. Of course, he did. Yeah. But like, in in the movie, he was very much portrayed as kind of being buddy buddy with Mitchell, right? To like yes, uh, an unprofessional level. Right. Yes. Exactly. To the point where. The guy that was the head referee for the site, like, like he left the site, like, right after one of the events involving Weeby and Mitchell. And when they accepted the first million dollar million point tape from Mitchell is when that guy retired. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's a stained history now for Twin Galaxies. And it, it'll be interesting to see if Guinness Book of World Records is like, look, we're just trying to sell books and <laughs> like do our events. We don't we only care so much. Like. As long as you guys aren't complete jokes, we're, we'll keep this going. Because we need someone else to keep track of video game scores because we're not going to fucking do it. Um, or if it's like, uh, in lieu of this, we will not be re-upping our contract. It, it could go either way, and we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, we've got a bunch of more stories here. Let's get through these, Mike, uh, so we can uh, get on with our days, on, on with our lives, and not really have to speak to each other anymore. Because yeah, that's, that's, that's really where I'm please. happiest. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, the FTC... Uh, the Federal Trade Communi- Commission, Federal Trade Commission, oh, uh, they are very upset with companies like Sony and Microsoft and Nintendo and Apple who put these little stickers inside of their devices that say, if you remove or tamper with this sticker, you avoided your warranty. According to the FTC, warranty vo- avoiding language like Nintendo's and Sony's is illegal. And the FTC is warming, warning companies that they need to stop this um, or else they're going to face basically... They're going to face fines. They're going to face all kinds of reprimands. Um, What this basically means is that people can repair their own stuff now without having to worry about uh, their warranty going up in smoke just because they wanted to go in and replace something that's very easy to replace. interesting because, I mean, those things have been around forever. It never occurred to me that they could be illegal. Right. If they were, why is it only just now becoming, like, an issue? Because the government is slow. It sucks. (laughs) It's just kind of a bummer. Like... (laughs) Well, you know, you, you know what the they should do, though. You, well, I'm just you know what they should do. They should probably regulate microtransactions in video yeah, games. Yeah, they'd, they'd be great at it. They'd be great at it. Yeah, go real well. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, like it's it's it, yeah. People have always kind of. I, you're right. I didn't really think about it, and then I heard maybe like a two years ago, people started like trying to get this going, like the right to repair uh, is what it's called. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is really dumb. Why would it ruin my warranty if I just tried to yeah. repair something like myself? Uh, like, okay, maybe I, I guess if I'm, like, t- hitting it with a hammer. But, like, I, no, nothing about this says, like, if you cause damage to the system, like, it's still covered by warranty. Like, if I drop my phone in water, it's not, not covered by warranty. I don't get a repair for that. And, it, the, like, it would still work the exact same way if me trying to fix it actually did break something. But if it doesn't break anything... 
and I put it all back together and something else unrelated happens, I yeah, that's it's stupid. So uh, yeah, that's a big change, and we'll see how the the companies react. Maybe they will try to repeal this, but I, I doubt it. it. Seems like something they're going to have to just play along with. Um, how do you feel about opening drawers in video games, Mike? I, Jeff, I can honestly tell you, I do not have a strong feeling about it. <laughs> well, it sounds like you won't be too excited about Shinmu One and Two HD coming back out on uh, oh, on right. all platforms for thirty dollars with yeah. achievements. I guess I don't. I never liked those games. I just always remember I mean, opening I, drawers for a very long time. I played Shinmu One back when it came out, and it was such Same. a novelty at the time that I quote unquote enjoyed it. Right. Uh, yeah, I have no, I have no idea what to make of it in 2018. I'm definitely, I'm curious to try. I never played Shenmue 2, really. I think that's a lot, true for a lot of people. Right. I um, I played through Shenmue with one with a friend, and was enjoying it because we were having a good time, sort of like poking fun at the at some things and being like, "Oh wow, look at all this detail! Isn't this a, a, a technological marvel?" And then like. I remember like time passing and being like, actually, you know what? That game sucked. I hate that game. <laughs> um, so yeah, I got I got over it, and I, I maybe I'll try to like actually play these to see like, maybe you know, just to, like stream it on Twitch and have fun again, poking fun at it. But uh, I doubt it. I, I'll just wait for Shinmu Three. I'll wait for the the true generational leap true. forward. Yeah, um. I'll tell you what is actually pretty cool, though, is uh, the Xbox One's backwards compatibility. It just keeps getting better. Um, so they had one of their... I, I forget what they call them now. Basically, it's a Xbox Direct. Uh, it's their equivalent of the Nintendo Direct. Um, and it was a, a big focus on it was the backward compatibility. They promised a big, a, ma a major update to backwards compatibility on the Xbox One. Uh, if people were speculating what that might mean, basically what it came down to was a lot of new games were being added to it from both Xbox One or Xbox 360 and the original Xbox. Uh, these games include stuff like Morrowind, Knights of the Old Republic 2, Jade Empire. Um, I think one of the, the Panzer biggest, Dragon Orta. Panzer Dragon Orta for sure. Uh, but it wasn't just like uh, uh, new games added to the service. Some games got Xbox One X enhanced capabilities. This includes Red Dead Redemption, which is now in 4K and I don't know if you've tried it, Mike, since since this has happened, but I've, I've played through like the first hour or so. It it is incredible. It is That's beautiful. What I've heard. Um, the, the, I think the um, the meme going around right now is that it puts sixty dollar or like forty dollar HD remasters to shame, and I, I agree. It it is that it is that good. So um, I, 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 man, it's tempting now to just go back to freaking Red Dead Redemption of all things. Right. Well, I mean, we've got the sequel coming out soon. I mean, you could put it on Twitch and get on, get on that. Uh, I still think there's such a danger of that sequel just not being as good as the first game. Especially oh, now if this sure. looks so good, apparently. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, as long as Red Dead Redemption Online makes money, they don't care. Um, yeah. So, so we'll see. But I... I've been I've I've gotten to the point where it's like okay you have to you kind of have to have an Xbox One plugged in just for these this backwards compatibility if they figure out all this other stuff with like their their current games lineup that's going to be great but like having all the, the the history of the Xbox on this one system uh, has become yeah it's become a very major selling point or a major reason for me to turn it on and enjoy it so uh, again we'll see how that plays out and, and it's one of these things where like they could have like waited two more months and held a lot of this stuff off for E three. So hopefully they have even bigger things um, to come when it comes to this stuff. Uh, last couple of stories. Uh, th this is one. You actually sent this to me, Mike. Shovel Knight has sold 2 million copies. Uh, they had a lot of good data in there about how that broke down. And uh, essentially, if I had to like simplify what that data meant, it is the Switch. Yeah. The Nintendo Switch. Every game sells on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, they, they had a bunch of charts, and these charts just showed, oh, like it released on... Um, PC and 3DS at the same time, very early before any of the other consoles. And those systems have sold the most over time. And, uh, and every other system since has followed a similar pattern. Uh, so they're all like equally behind. And then it comes out on the Switch and it just shoots up and becomes like already the third best platform. And it will likely soon overtake both PC and 3DS in terms of total sales. Um, just because it just, it was a completely different arc of sales. It shot up and just continued going up at a rate that the other systems couldn't match. Um, 
So it was interesting to see the sales of the Switch, or like software sales on the Switch, visualized like that and put in such black and white. Um, did you did you analyze this stuff much, or did you just kind of like? Yeah, I was just looking at it. It's just yeah, it is just interesting, like how quickly that shot up. It was interesting how uh, you know the, the PC version was still very high, and they said that's the one where like sales happened the most. Uh, right. Sense. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it was just fun. Like that is the big takeaway. First off, is how much it sold. It's good, and the Switch right. Uh, doing very well the 3ds version also did very well it's worth saying oh yeah totally i mean 3ds was a fun place to play that uh, at the time it had the 3d support and it was like a classic game so it was going to look good on it no matter what uh but i yeah i think i ended up getting it on 3ds and then i got it with a uh, a sale on the sw- on the pc and then i got it again on the switch they, they sent me a code for uh, just the specter knight one but then i ended up buying the treasure trove myself so yeah totally um Warhammer Vermintide, or I can't say this word, Vermintide 2 has reached 1 million players. So this is that, that Left 4 Dead style game. Uh, one, that, one that has been sitting in my Steam library that I've been meaning to play and just keep putting it off because I'm like, oh, I, I want to put it in real time with it. And I don't have real time anymore. So, yeah. Uh, but it's clearly, it, people are into it. It's finding an audience. And it seems like one of those games that's like, it started really strong and it's going to have some legs because it's going to keep getting more and more people in because it's a multiplayer game. You can play with your friends. Uh, and it seems like they might have a pretty good content strategy to make, uh, to give people new arenas and stuff to go play in. So, uh, yeah, just another big success kind of coming, not, not, not necessarily out of nowhere, but building on that, that original game in a way that is beyond what needs to be expected for a sequel these days. Um, finally, I don't know. I kind of don't even know why I put this in here. I guess it was oh. getting a lot of attention. I, Maple Story Two officially announced. <laughs> I, I it's have confusing because no it's like Story. it's kind of officially announced because apparently this game's been in testing in Korea since like 2015. Right, it's definitely weird. been out in a, at least in some way in Korea. But this is like I guess like an English trailer, so clearly it's meant for North America as well. So, uh. Yeah, I mean, at, at the very least, it's coming this way. But I, 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 like I said, I have no history with Maple Story, but it's no, one of those games that either. seems like a lot of people play. It's like now, it's like one of those games you always hear about, isn't it? Yeah, like RuneScape. RuneScape was one I never yeah, played. I don't know. Maybe maybe you played that one. No, no. Yeah. So like, whenever like these games get um, like I, I pull a lot of these stories by like looking at the top games stories on Reddit. Like, there's a game subreddit, and it's mostly focused on news. And Maple Story Two officially announced. It just happened like yesterday or today, and it was one of those top stories. I'm like, okay, people care about this, but not me. Uh, so, well, yeah, maybe I'll try it. Maybe we'll maybe we'll become the biggest Maple Story Two heads, Mike. Of course, yeah. We're, this this we should just turn this podcast into a Maple Story Two Maple podcast. Story Watch. Yeah, that does it for the news. I think that's uh, that's going to be all for the podcast as well, Mike. Does that sound good to you? Seems pretty hefty. Seems, yeah, I think it was a, you know, we did it. We we have done this one. We did the damn thing. Now we're going to move on. Uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with more. I think in the meantime, Mike, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet? Well, you can find me uh, at gamesbeat.com. Check out my full God of War review there if you would like. Uh, or you can just look at the score and, you know, have fun with that. Uh, you can also find me at uh, edpodcast.com. We're doing the Exploding Bro podcast with my brother. I also talked about God of War in there this week. If you want to hear me talk about that some more. It's all God of War with me this week. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at Tolkoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O. I am uh, Jeff Grubb on Twitter, uh, youtube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb. I-, I think I will actually be putting up some 4K footage of God of War here pretty soon. Oh, fancy. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I think that's the plan is to get that PS4 Pro up here, plug it into the uh, 4K capture card, and see how that looks. I, I hear that it might be better to just play it on performance mode, but I want to see for myself. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, I'll. I probably. I might play a little God of War on Twitch, Twitch.tv/slash Jeff Grub. Uh, but I'm thinking about maybe primarily making that Vermintide too. I got a bunch of friends playing that. I think I need to actually find. I haven't even tr- I haven't tried it yet. I downloaded it. I'm- yeah, I know. We need. We, we should just actually just like suck it up and play it and, and probably enjoy it because it seems like everyone else does. Um, <coughs> so Vermintide two, maybe some more Rainbow Six Siege, maybe some Wildlands. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, check that out. Um, I think that's going to do it. We'll be back next week. I don't even know what we're going to be talking about. It feels like it's just going to be more God of War. Yeah, it's probably. Um, I feel like that's going to have some, some time to itself for a bit. Right, exactly. I, I'm interested to see kind of how the story goes. Maybe maybe we could do a slight like dive into the story and then maybe come back in the following weeks and do a spoiler cast or something. Um, 
All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. Check you out then. Have a good one. Check you out. Go check you out. Oh, baby. <laughs>